Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a trial and had to acknowledge that it was the direct result of sin? Listen in today as Pastor Draper shares the biblical perspective on sin and the results it can bring in this message entitled, The Devastating Consequences of Sin. I want you to turn to Genesis this time, Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 24. Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 24 will be where we'll be laboring, preaching the word of God, and we'll just start with verse 16. The title of this message is The Consequences of Sin and Rebellion. The Consequences of Sin and rebellion, be it known to you today that sin does have its consequences. No such thing as sinning without consequences. And uh, this passage not only shows us the sin, but it shows us also, we can see so clearly, the consequences for sin in Scripture. In verse 16, it says, To the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Verse 16, you can entitle verse 16, God's judgment on Eve. God's judgment on Eve, verse 16. The judgment of God upon Eve would be that when God said in verse 16a, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, say conception, In pain you shall bring forth children. He meant that Eve's sorrow is not just restricted to childbearing. The deeper meaning of the word sorrow is that Eve's life would be filled with trouble. This is a kind of sorrow that will bring on misery and pain, which should move her to call upon God and live in absolute dependency and hope in him. The scripture also says in verse 16, look at verse 16, look in your Bibles. In verse 16 says, in pain, Eve shall bring forth children. Be mindful that Adam and Eve knew nothing about pregnancy at this time. They had never touched a baby or even heard one cry. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created fully mature. And by the way, when, when he created the sun, stars, and moon, and all of these things, he didn't create a little small sun that involved and all that kind of stuff. Everything he created at that time was fully mature. So they had never seen a witness of pregnancy, never heard a baby cry. The pain of childbearing that Eve would one day experience is part of the judgment of sin upon her. Wow. Sin upon Eve. And be it known to you, the pain and travail, travail of childbirth comes with severe suffering and pain that no man can comprehend. Be mindful that during this time, there were no C-sections. There were no epidurals. There was no kind of assistance. You had the baby in a natural way without these modern day helps. Uh, John 16, 21 says a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born in the world. You see, my friends, the scripture says in verse 16 that Eve would have a desire for her husband. There it is in in that verse. If you look at it, underline it. 
The word desire means longing and yearning. By nature, usually, the woman longs, yearns, and desires to settle down to be with a husband. And she would also have a desire, because of the fall, to usurp the authority of her husband. You see, my friend, sin had turned a beautiful, harmonious relationship between a husband and wife into a marriage that would now have selfishness. They had a perfect marriage. They had a perfect daddy in a perfect environment. They knew nothing at all about imperfection. They knew nothing about selfishness, strife, tension, conflict. All came as a result of the fall when they partook of the forbidden tree. Because of sin, Eve would now struggle to live under the authority of her husband. And do we see that today? Because now the family was no longer perfect. Look at verses 17 through 19. Verses 17 through 19 is God's judgment upon Adam. Verses 17 through 19, it says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, Adam. For out of it, you were taken for dust you are and dust you shall return. Because Adam acted independently of God and listened and obeyed the voice of his wife, God cursed the ground, resulting in him having to struggle to get the ground to produce and yield crops for him to eat. For it says in Genesis 3:17b, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. You see, before Adam's rebellion, work was always a pleasure. There was work before the fall, and it was full of joy and and pleasure and delight. The ground before the fall yielded its produce without Adam even breaking a sweat. Work was a joy. Work was not labor intensive before the fall of Adam and Eve. But after the fall, say after the fall. Work would be strenuous and often filled with toil and misery and pain. You would cut yourself, you would hit your thumb with a hammer or whatever they had back then. Uh, they would have accidents that they knew not of before the fall. Adam will now work by the sweat of his brow, having aching muscles as he worked, physical exhaustion. You, you ever come in tired after working overtime or just having a hard day and you're exhausted, stress on the job, tension on the job, Pressure on the job all came as a result of the fall way back when Adam and Eve disobeyed and rebelled against God. You see, the curse not only had an adverse effect on Adam and Eve, it also greatly affected nature and creation. For the scripture says in Genesis 3, 18a, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. 
Romans 8, 21 through 22, it says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Creation has been marred. Creation grown. Creation has felt the curse of Adam and Eve. The scripture says in verse 19b, for dust you are and dust you shall return. Adam knew the consequences for disobeying God's instruction because he was forewarned in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Adam could not say, I didn't know I was not supposed to touch that tree. Yes, he did, because God forewarned him. Because the scripture says in Genesis 2, 16 through 17, and the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, Adam. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What strong warning instructions. And Adam disobeyed the instructions of God along with Eve, and they both fell into sin. Because of Adam and Eve willful disobedience, they were sentenced to spiritual and physical death. From this point on, Adam and Eve, along with the animal kingdom, the sea creatures, and plant life would experience aging. From that point, they began the aging process. From the point of their sin and rebellion against God, they began to slowly, now he lived to be 900 and something years old, but they began to slowly deteriorate. Corruption came in and decay until they returned to the dust from which Adam had come, which is death. James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to pain and sin. When it is full grown, when sin is full grown, it leads to death. But the scripture says in Romans 6, 23, thank God for the payment, the wages is payment of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God, what? Is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God for the gift in Jesus Christ. Say thank God for Jesus. What Adam messed up, Jesus came and what? Fixed it up. Now, that was a bit of a review for those who weren't present and a reminder for those who were. Now we're going to press on into new insights. Look at verses 20 through 24. Verses 20 through 24, you have the expulsion from the garden. The expulsion from the garden. Look at verse 20, if you will. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. In verse 20, Adam called his wife Eve which means to live. Eve means to live. Her name means uh, to give life. Her name means to live. It means to give life. It means the mother of all living. By naming his wife Eve, Adam believed by faith that God would make good his promise in Genesis 3.15. You say, what does it say? And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
In other words, my friends, the seed of the woman. Who is the seed of the woman? Jesus Christ, whose death, burial, and resurrection will bring eternal life to those who would trust him alone for salvation. Eve would bear children, and from her descendants would come the Messiah who would crush Satan's head. The first hint of the gospel, the first gospel account is documented right here in Genesis 3.15. That seed of the woman is Jesus Christ who would come and be the remedy for man's sin. The scripture says in Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he, the Lord Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He came, according to Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time. He was born. And he was born to die, to whip Satan, to crush his ugly head because Jesus wanted to fulfill the redemptive plan of God. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same. Jesus shared Flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood to save us from our sins. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And I'm so glad that God whooped the devil and he whipped him good. He took a a good beating. As a matter of fact, I like that old expression. uh, He got beat down. (laughs) In verse 21, it says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. God himself made clothing for Adam and Eve because a sin-cursed world would now experience inclement weather conditions. Before the fall, the weather was absolutely perfect. Before the fall, there was no drought. No hurricanes, no no blazing heat, no 21 degrees below zero, uh, uh, no earthquakes, no uh, none of this stuff. But after the fall, the weather got turbulent. Conditions would change. And all of a sudden they was experiencing heat and cold temperatures, the likes of which they've never felt. Therefore, God used skins of innocent animals to clothe Adam and Eve, which meant that for the first time, animals would be slaughtered and blood was shed for the survival of man and to meet his basic needs. Adam and Eve were naked and they couldn't just stay naked now. They needed some clothes because of the oncoming inclement weather conditions. This also is a foreshadowing of the substitutionary atonement of Christ who would one day come to shed his blood to atone the sins of lost humanity. The killing of animals in order to clothe Adam and Eve also is a picture of the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ who shed his blood to cover the sins of all who would trust him alone by faith. Romans chapter three, verses 23 through 25 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. 
whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. You said that big word propitiation. She said, what is that? It means that the blood of Jesus totally and fully satisfied the righteous demands of a holy and just God. That's right. Nothing else could do that but the blood of Jesus Christ. Totally, totally and completely satisfied the righteous demands of a holy and just God. The doctrine of propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Look at verse 22a. It says, then the Lord said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Wow. To know good and evil. Notice the reference to the Trinity in verse 22. You won't see the word Trinity in the way, anywhere in the scripture, but you'll see references referring to the Trinity in verse 22, which says, behold, the man has become one of us. Underline us. Who's the us? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Adam and Eve before the fall only knew nothing but good before the fall. But after the fall, they knew evil. Before the fall, they had no flaw. Uh, Everything was perfect. They were in a perfect environment and totally innocent, naked and innocent before a loving heavenly father. But when they rebelled and ate from the forbidden tree, they corrupted themselves. And now they knew evil in a way they had never known before the fall. They were like God. You say, how were they like God? They were like God in the sense that they now knew not only good, but now they know what? Evil. Look at verses 22 through 24. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. Underline live forever. Live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every direction. That sword was turning every direction. In other words, Adam and Eve, we're going to put you out. I'm going to put you out and you're not getting back in here. That's right. Every direction that sword was turning. Wow. And a flaming sword would turn every way to guard the way to the tree of life. How interesting. The purpose of the cherubim with the flaming sword at the east of the garden, which turned every way was for the purpose of keeping Adam and Eve from reentering the garden and eating again from the forbidden tree, which would result in their living forever in a perpetual state of sin. Adam and Eve expulsion from the garden was an act of mercy. It was an act of mercy because God did not want them to live forever in that condition. It was God's desire that they would anticipate the seed of the woman, as we forestated in Genesis 3.15, who is Christ to provide redemption for Adam and Eve And for all who would trust in him alone for salvation. Wow. How do we summarize this? Let's summarize. Just write the word summary. And let me just bring this all together for summarization. Number one, 
Genesis 3, 5, Satan says to Eve, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want to say something on that. Number one, one never receives wisdom by disobeying God. You never receive wisdom by disobeying the word of God and living independently of him. The wisdom of God is attained by obeying God. You want more wisdom from God? Ask God for wisdom. And as you while you're asking, make sure you're obeying. God provides wisdom and gives wisdom to those who are humbly obedient to him and having a reverential fear for almighty God. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you say no to the voice of God, you don't want to hear God. You throw your hands up at God. You know what? The Bible calls you a fool. You say there is no God. Uh, Psalms 14 once says, you are a fool. You had better get out of being a fool and become wise by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Number two, sin can become so attractive and enticing until one will believe the lie of Satan, which blinds us from its terrible consequences. Sin can become so attractive. You say, why, why do you sin? Because you like it, because it's attractive. And the world makes sin so attractive. And if you catch this sexual disease, here's a pill, and you're going to live happily ever after. Let me tell you something. That pill can't fix your condition. That's right. Some people think you may be on those pills because you've sinned. But let me tell you, there are side effects to the pills. Huh? Have you ever seen pills? They're good for one thing, but they're killing yourself in other ways. Sin can become so attractive and enticing until one will believe the lie of Satan, which blinds us from its terrible consequences. In Genesis 3, 4, and 5, look how enticing the devil makes sin sounds. He makes it sound good. That's why we bite in it, because he makes it look good. He makes it glitters, but everything that glitters isn't gold. Look at Genesis chapter 3, 4, and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, oh, you don't understand. You will not surely die. He's lying to her. Have you ever had that no good man lie to you? Or that no good woman lie to you? Huh? Somebody you just knew, they were blowing all in your head. (laughs) And after you got with them and found out what they were all about, they ain't about nothing. And you still in recovery 20 years later over that little guy that blew into your ears. Some of you still in recovery, you believe in lies, lies in commercial, anti-aging cream. You're going to feel better if you take this and if you do this and if you do that. And all that you're going to have curly locks if you swallow a pill. You're going to grow hair and they don't have none. Sin can become so attractive and enticing. Look at the devil here. Then the serpent said to Eve, you will not surely die. He's smooth lying to her. Isn't that like a smooth liar? He's a smooth liar. For God knows, Eve, that in the day you eat of it, underline this, your eyes will be open. She will open. What that mean? 
Ooh, something's going to happen to me. My eyes going to be open. La, 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 la. Your eyes going to be open. And you know what else, Eve? If you, if you partake of it, if you partake of it, Eve, you will be like God. Isn't that you? Think about that. You will be like God. That's pride, y'all. She wanted to be like God. And she bought that lie. And oh, by the way, Eve, I tell you something else too. You're going to know something that you don't know now. You only know good. And she didn't know what evil was. She didn't know what. She never heard the word evil. She didn't know none of that. Uh, he said, not only are you going to know good, but you're going to know evil. And she probably said, oh, goody, I'm going to know evil. And she didn't have a clue what evil was. And you know, how many of you have been sucker punched by the devil's lie? Just sucker punch. You know, by that smooth line car salesman. And that person that said they're going to fix your car and the motor fell out. <laughs> person going to fix your plumbing and all that stuff. And all, and, and all of a sudden your whole water system is down. And on and on and on it goes. You better walk with God. And just because somebody look good. And you know, the devil doesn't come to you ugly. Ooh, he's enticing. Houston, that man with beautiful locks and wonderful physique, and biceps and a nice ride and some money. And listen, you don't know what you're talking you, you might need to get somebody that's short, half bald, and can't walk for looking at his stomach. That might be the best man in your life. It is not who's cute. It ain't about who's fine. Because beauty is a fading glory. The Lord gives and the Lord what? Taketh away. When are you going to stop believing the smooth lies of that devil? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683.